With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. Uh, the title of uh, today's program, I'm sure, is interesting to a lot of people, uh, How to Have a Righteous Marriage. And uh, we will begin that uh, shortly. I must address uh, one major issue in this country right now. Um, we're getting ready to experience Hurricane Isaac. And for those that are in the area, please listen to the government and your local authorities and do what they tell you to do. Uh, looks like this is going to be a pretty good-sized storm. And, of course, we need to be praying to God to have mercy uh, on all of us. Uh, he allows these hurricanes and weather disasters to wake us up to reality, to help us to understand that we're not doing the things that we need to do to please him collectively as a nation and as a world. And I did explain this in a recent Bible study that I did. It's in the archives, um, God and the Weather. So please uh, listen to that Bible study. And um, that's it, basically, in reference to, to world news. Um, well, no, not really. Let me go to um, world, world Watch Daily by Koenig. Uh, international news is uh, www.watch.org. Uh, if you ter- if you go to that website along with me right now, it says Netanyahu points to more proof that Iran is making progress toward nuclear weapons. And another headline: Obama using Israeli paper to foil Iran strike. And then it's interesting that this hurricane, which uh, I don't know if many of you realize this, this is the seventh anniversary of uh, Katrina, uh, August 23rd to the 30th. Uh, I think that's when Katrina, um, I think, I don't know, I have to read the article, but um, it's interesting, it's happening around the time of Katrina. And then uh, it says, strengthening Isaac's target, Florida Central Golf Course, Republican Convention begins Monday in Tampa. And the interesting thing about the Republican Convention is that uh, Romney's going to announce that he 
uh, is in favor of a two-state solution, which, of course, God does not like because uh, he does not appreciate anybody trying to divide his land. That's in Joel chapter 3 and in other parts of the Bible itself. So this is interesting. Um, obviously, this hurricane is, is, is being allowed because God is not pleased with this nation. He's not pleased with Obama stating the fact that two people of the same sex ought to get married. As, as you're going to see today, in violation of the scriptures, and um, it, it does not help the state of marriage right now. So let's go right into this Bible study, how to have a righteous marriage. And I put the word righteous in there for a reason, because many people had their own ideas about what they think marriage is. Some people think that a husband should rule over the wife, uh, or the wife should rule over the husband, or there should be equal rule in the marriage. Of course, people think today, um, more people than not in this country and around the world, that it's okay for two people of the same sex to, to be married. Well, if those two people have kids, my challenge to those people is how can they keep properly the Fifth Commandment? So let's go to the Fifth Commandment here in Exodus chapter 20, starting in uh, verse 12. Exodus 20, verse 12, and, you know, Jesus did talk about this commandment in the New Testament, so for those who think the Old Testament is toilet paper, Exodus 20, verse 12, Honor thy father and thy mother, <laughs> that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So if you have two, two husbands, how can a child properly keep this commandment? Or if you have two wives that are married to each other, how can... Uh, the kids properly keep that commandment. So that's just one example of using the logic, the pure and sharp and accurate uh, logic of God to knock down any uh, wickedness or thoughts of going against common sense. So anyway, uh, let's explore how to have a righteous marriage, and let's turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 172. says, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. So so we're going to use all the teachings of God, all the commandments of God, to set up a paradigm or a model about what a righteous marriage should be, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So let's start this out here. First of all, let's read the account in Genesis. Let's go back to the beginning. Because marriage was created at the beginning. And then I'm going to quote Matthew chapter 19 for those people who think Jesus is for gay marriages. He's not. Anyway, uh, Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a help meet for him. All right. And that original Hebrew word for meet for him is neget, and it means a counterpart. Okay, uh, somebody who is at their side. All right, so skipping down, because none of the animals were appropriate mate for him, skipping down to um, verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Now, re realize the word Adam means mankind in Hebrew. It's Adam, and it means he, uh, man. And he slept. And he slept. 
And he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh instead there. So this is probably the first, what it is, the, the first recorded surgery on humankind in the history of the world. Verse 22, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, I'm reading if you couldn't tell, I'm reading from the old King James Version. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man, verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. That's the reason why you women are called woman, because you're taking out of the man. Because she was taken out of man. So, men, you are dust, because you're created out of dust. And women, you're ribs. That's what you really are. <laughs> Verse 24. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother. It doesn't mean totally leave and go to a different country. It means to, you know, totally leave from being dependent on your parents and then you are independent from your parents and you and you shall cleave unto your wife or stick to your wife and they shall be one flesh. It doesn't mean that if you have financial disaster, if you have any issues that the parents shouldn't help their children. Uh God, he's our father, he's everyone's father and he even helps the wicked, as in Matthew chapter five proves. So you should never stop being a father and a mother in that area. But Eventually, your children have to understand that they have to become adults and they have to learn how to take care of themselves so they can take care of a wife and their children and not be an unnecessary burden. Unnecessary. Let me highlight and underscore that. Unnecessary burden to their parents or anyone else in society. And you're an unnecessary burden, men and women, if you don't get out there and work. There's some situations where women that are single have to work. And there there's situations where even if they're not single that they have to work. The economy uh justifies that. So but I'm gonna get into how women today in the twenty first century can be a help me to their husbands and vice versa. But anyway. But anyway, the, the the scripture I want to point out here in verse twenty four, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. One. They should be ecod which is a, a, a compound unity. That's what God is. He's a compound unity of the Father and the Son. And that's what a husband and wife should be. They should be one. They should be one in, in, in agreement and in their possessions and everything else, just like the Father is, um, along with the Son. Let me um, find a New Testament scripture here. What Christ said about his father's relationship. And it's really a prototype of the marriage relationship as well. Let's see if I can find it here. Let's see. Well, he says that all the father has is mine as well. Let's see. All right, let me see if I can find it here. If I can't find it, I'll just quote it in the next program here. Let's see. You know yourself. Okay, 
takes me a couple more minutes here. I'll just go ahead and just continue on with the Bible study here. Let's see. I think it's in John somewhere. Sorry about this, and sometimes scriptures pop in my mind. And um, let's see, hmm, I know the scriptures in here somewhere. Okay, it looks like I can't find it here for some reason, so, um, no, I just, let's see, you haven't chosen me. Okay, I found it finally. <laughs> Preservation pays off. John 16, verse 15. Sorry that it took two, three minutes to find this. John 16, verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show unto me. I'm going to memorize that so I don't have to do this again. So there you go, that that everything that the Father has is Yeshua's. And that's the way it is, should be with a marriage relationship. Everything that the husband has should be the wife, wives, and everything that the wife should have should be the husband's. That's the way it should be. Uh, John 16, verse 15, All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. And then in John chapter 17, and it's all about sharing, and in John 17 verse 20, that they all may be one as thou, Father, in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. That's the overall goal. God wants us all, he wants all of mankind to be at one with him, to, to share everything that he has, as I'm going to show you here. Um, in the remaining minutes I have here, 44 minutes. And I apologize for taking that long, but that was a significant scripture that I needed to quote there. All right, so we understand that God created a woman to be a help to the man, not to be against a man and not to, uh, to cause problems and so forth, but to to be a help meet for him. And the word help means azar in Hebrew, and it means help. So... The woman, uh, you're a help to the man. And, and then in a marriage, the woman is the engine to the car, and, and the guy or the husband is the is the, is the the driver, okay? He's the one that drives the car, and, and the woman is the engine. So, And the engine is, is truly the most significant part of the car, okay? So uh, hopefully after this Bible study, those women who have not been taught the significance of you being a woman, and 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 if you are married, uh, hopefully you'll be able to raise your head up high, not in pride, but in in ad admiration for the Lord to 
to realize that you are a very important part of humanity. All right, so Acts chapter 2. Let's look at Acts chapter 2 here, starting in verse 44. And I'm going to read this in the complete Jewish Bible for clarity's sake here. Acts chapter 2, verse 44, says, All those trusting in Yeshua, that's his Hebrew name, or one of the, his Hebrew names, uh, stayed together and had everything in common. In fact, they sold their property and possessions and distributed the proceeds to all who were in need, or the proceeds to all who were in need. Verse 46, Continuing faithfully and with singleness of purpose to meet in the temple courts daily, and that's what the assembly and the first century did, despite what people think. I'm reading this in the complete Jewish Bible to get the Jewish perspective. After all, the, the church, the assembly, um, the Bible was written by practically Jews, or in one rare case, Luke wasn't a Jew at first. I think he may have converted to a Jew, but whether, whether he was or not, he was around Jews, so he was influenced by Jews. He was spiritually a Jew. So the Bible really was written by, by Jews, um, and we need to understand the Jewish people. And and I took a course for two years to understand the Jewish people, and I fellowship with them and so forth, and I really understand them in a way that I never have before, and I appreciate them uh, for letting God use them to preserve the Bible. But anyway, Acts 2, verse 45, In fact, they sold their property and possessions and distributed the proceeds to all those who were in need. Verse 46, continuing faithfully and with singleness of purpose to meet in the temple courts daily and breaking bread in their several homes, they shared their food and joy and simplicity of heart, praising God and having the respect of all the people. And day after day, the Lord kept adding to them those who were being saved. And see that? We don't have that today in the assemblies of God. No, we do not. Of Elohim, we do not. Uh, Elohim is the Hebrew name for God. We do not have that. And that's the reason why he stated plainly in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. Matthew 7, verse 14. He says, but it is a narrow gate and a hard road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And this is, of course, before the tribulation, because we know during the tribulation, many people obviously will repent because they realize, oh, boy, all these ministers, or some of these ministers that we listened to, and, and they said these things, now it's happening, oh, we better repent. We better do teshuva, which means repent in Hebrew. So that's going to happen in the future, but right now, it's the narrow gate and the hard road that leads to life, and only a few that find it. All right, so let's turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. All the many believers were one in heart and soul, and no one claimed any of his possessions for himself, but everyone shared everything he had. And that's what life is all about, folks. I've, I've quoted this scripture, and they say, oh, it can't be that way today. It's going to be that way in the future, folks. So we better, for those who are, are blessed and for those who claim to to have uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, you need to to start acting like you have it, and you need to start giving and, and stop focusing so much on head coverings and how you wear your beard and all that, like that. The messy, um, some of these messianic groups, they focus too much on that stuff. I mean, you, you got to focus more on caring about people and and sharing your possessions with other people. That's how you're going to really stimulate the the, the, the ruach hakadosh or the Holy Spirit. That's how you're going to 
stimulate the Ruach HaKadosh of the Holy Spirit. By, and that's Ruach HaKadosh, that's in Hebrew, the Holy Spirit. That's how you pronounce it. So, <clears throat> getting back, in Acts 31, Acts 4, verse 31, while they were still praying, the place where they were gathered was shaken. They were all filled with the Ruach HaKadosh of the Holy Spirit, and they spoke God's message with boldness. All the many believers were one in heart and soul, and no one claimed any of his possessions for himself, but everyone shared everything he had. Verse 33, with great power, the missionaries or the apostles continued, missionaries as apostles for Hebrew, continued testifying to the resurrection of the Lord Yeshua. And they were all held in high regard. No one among them was poor. Isn't that something? And this is the reason why. Since those who owned lands or houses sold them and turned them over the proceeds. Verse 35, to the missionaries to distribute to each according to his want? No, according to his need. What do we need? Food and clothes. Verse 36, thus, Yosef, whom the missionaries called Barnaba, which means the exhorter, a Levi, and a native of Cyprus, sold a field which belonged to him and bought the money to the missionaries. Now, keep in mind, I'm sure that Levi must have been rich, and he had this to spare. And so he gave this over to uh, the missionaries. And this is all a part of the spirit of the first fruits of, of giving um, the best of your possessions. Um, and there's no percentage to that. There's no percentage to that. You should be giving continuously. And I'm I almost have this article completed there. It's a very important article for me to write which show people how to give because most people do not know how to give properly. And the name of the article is Tithes and Offerings, and I'm hoping to get it done today, uh, hopefully this weekend or not this weekend, next weekend. But please read the I will let you know when it's done, and I'm asking that you please read the article. Also, I forgot to, to tell those who are listening to me for the first time, uh, you should... Uh, distribute this program for free help me distribute this program for free over facebook uh, all you do is you should see a link at the top of blog talk radio on this program and then click on that and you'll be on your way to distributing this program this program that the whole goal of this program is not to make money the goal of this program is to reach as many people as possible with the truth of the scriptures to help them to repent and also to prepare for the great tribulation that will be coming upon this earth uh, sooner than we think. All right, so um, getting back to this, so here we are. We're, we're looking at a good example of, of the first fruits of, of giving and sharing consistently, giving spiritual offerings to people who are in need. And, and, and keep in mind in Acts 4, verse 34, no one among them was poor. Why? Since those who owned lands or houses sold them and turn them over to their proceeds. Let's take a look at that word um, in the original. Okay, it, it means lacked, uh, deficient. So that word poor, that was translated in, in Stern's translation, the complete Jewish Bible version. In the King James Version, it means that lacked. And that word in the Greek is endiens. It means deficient in. So no one was deficient. And Paul gave a definition of that and uh, I think it's in First Timothy chapter 6. He says that we should be content if we have food and clothes. But I know many Americans are not just content with that. They want to have their football games. They want to have, 
expensive clothes. They want to have uh, go on expensive vacations and, and so forth. Anyway, First Timothy six verse eight, and having food and raiment, or that can also mean a covering or roof over your head. Let us be therefore content. Okay, and unfortunately, a lot of Americans today, and perhaps some of you are listening to me today, aren't just content with food and clothes. But you need to learn how to be that way. So anyway, we understand that the assembly of God, in the first century anyway, were at one with each other. They didn't even consider their possessions their own. They considered their possessions each other's. They shared their possessions, how much more so in a marriage, right? That, that's where I'm leading to. But anyway, um, let's turn to another significant scripture here in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1, verse 10. This is God's desire through the apostle Shaul or Paul. And I'm going to read this in the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. It says, Nevertheless, brothers, I call on you in the name of the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, to agree, all of you, in what you say, and not to let yourselves remain split into factions, but be restored to having a common mind and a common purpose. Well, this is just among the assembly, which includes husbands and wives. So, obviously, husbands and wives also need to be one and be in agreement in everything. That's the goal, okay? I know there there's a struggle in a marriage to do that. But that is the goal, for folks, for husbands and wives and everyone in the whole entire world one day to all be in agreement. That will happen. And those who disagree with God and his ways will be destroyed. They'll be annihilated and tossed in a lake of fire. But anyway, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter This is a potential of man. Um, I, I, I will give a program in the future, maybe next week, on the potential of man, uh, the wonderful future that we have. I'll go into detail about it. But anyway, right now, I said maybe next week. You know, I, I don't know. I, I may give another topic, but that, that may be the topic. You, you'll know. I'll either have it... Um, I posted uh, early on Saturday, or hopefully earlier than Saturday, because I, just, you know, just like you've got many of you listening to me, I have a rough work week with, uh, as well. So anyway, uh, Hebrews chapter two, or I have rough work weeks. Hebrews chapter two, starting in verse six. Okay, um, let me read this in another translation here. I like the translation when it says the whole universe, because <laughs> that's what it is, basically. Um, let's see. All right, I'll read this in the con contemporary English. I know one version has the whole universe, and that's really the the uh, the meaning of this. But anyway, Hebrews 2, verse 6, this is in the contemporary uh, English version. Somewhere in the scripture, someone says to God, what makes you care about us humans? Why are you concerned for weaklings such as we? Verse 7, you made us lower than the angels for a while, yet you have crowned us with glory and honor. Verse 8, you have put everything under our power. And that means everything, folks. That's our potential. God has put everything under our power and has not left anything out of our power, but we still don't see it all under our power. Verse 9, what we do see is Jesus, or Yeshua, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, or... Um, that word really should mean Elohim, a little lower than God. Because of God's wonderful kindness, Jesus died for everyone, and now that Jesus has suffered and died, he is crowned with glory and honor. So our potential is to follow what Christ has. Christ uh, has all power and glory, and we will. We will share in that. 
Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 16. I'm reading this in a contemporary English version of the Bible. God's Spirit makes us sure that we are His children. Verse 17. His Spirit lets us know that together with Christ we will be given what God has promised. We will also share in the glory of Christ because we have suffered with Him. I'm going to show you what His glory is here in a minute. Uh, I am sure that what we are suffering now cannot compare with the glory that will be shown in us. In fact, all creation is eagerly waiting for God to show who His children are. All right, so that that's our great potential there, folks. And then Matthew chapter 28, as promised, show you what the glory and power that Yeshua has right now currently. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's what we will share with him. We will share that exact same authority with him in heaven and in earth if we just stop being stubborn and obey him. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, Starting at verse 21. Everyone who wins the victory will sit with me on my throne, just as I won the victory and sat with my father on his throne. And then wisely, he says, and most intelligently, he says in Revelation 3, verse 22, if you have ears, listen to what the Spirit says to the assemblies or, or the churches. So churches means ecclesia, and it means assembly in the original Greek. So... Um, that is, and then the church really means assembly. These are people who assemble to worship God. And so he's telling us that if we just stop thinking we know everything and listen to him and, and believe his words and, and act on those words, then he says, and I read this in the King James Version, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throat, even as I also overcame and sat and am set down with my father in his throne. And then Revelation chapter 2, verse 26. It says, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him, and again, <laughs> righteousness has something to do with works, folks. So just read James, the whole chapter, chapter 2. And unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Verse 27. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, with authority, as the vessels of a potter, they shall be broken to shivers, even as I have received of my Father. So we will be given a power over the nations. We will inherit all things, uh, as God states here in Revelation chapter 21, if we behave ourselves and obey his commandments. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. That means all things, folks, all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But... He says right here in verse 8, But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers, the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And the second death has no power. means that you won't have any essence. You won't live again. You don't want to go there, folks. Trust me, you do not want to go there. Now, let's quote another scripture to help you understand that Yeshua... Uh, is not in favor of gay marriage. Um, right here, uh, Matthew 19, verse 1. When Yeshua had finished talking about these things, he left Galilee and traveled down the east of the, of the Garden River until he passed the border of Yehuda. Verse 2. Great crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some perishim or Pharisees came and tried to trap him by saying, Is it permitted for a man to divorce his wife on any ground, whatever? Verse 4, he replied, haven't you read that at the beginning of the creation he made them male and female? So what he's talking about is the uh, antithesis of divorce, 
which is marriage, the opposite of door, which is marriage. In verse 4, he replied, Haven't you read that at the beginning of the creation, at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? I just read that to you in Genesis. Verse 5, And he said, For this reason a man should leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, not his husband, and the two are to become one flesh. So Yeshua is supporting what the Old Testament says for those who think that the Old Testament is toilet paper. Verse 9, Thus they are no longer two but one. So then no one should split apart where God has joined asunder. And unfortunately, that's what they're trying to do today with the gay agenda, split marriage. So um, I just wanted to point that out, that Yeshua does not agree with homosexuals and how they think. All right, so um, getting back to Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. Now, this is a simple scripture to help you understand how to have a righteous marriage. All right? Ephesians 5, verse 22. It says, Wives should submit to their husbands as they do to the Lord. Now, look, I'm going to pause. <laughs> this scripture is pretty simple, folks, uh, you wives that are listening right now to me. This is pretty simple for you to understand. Now, I know there's situations where you shouldn't submit, and I will address that, all right? But if your husband is a decent man, and he does the best he can, and he's he's typically an ethical person, okay? He may scream and shout at you and call your names a few times and all that, but you still command, and even in that situation, to submit to your husband. Now, it's different your husband come home with a knife or a gun. Uh, he, he just cursing at you all day. Uh, he's just totally telling you that you're, you're a worthless person. He just constantly, all day, doing that. That's hard to submit to. You're, you you should not be around somebody like that. You need to move and, and move into, at least separate from him, okay, and, and just get away from him, all right? That's what you need to do. Any type of abuse, whether it's verbal, physical, is not allowed. It should not be allowed in a marriage. You have no right to deal with that. I mean, the husband or, in some cases, wives, they verbally abuse their husband, and in some cases, physically as well. So in both cases, if either one of you are going through that, why are you continuing to suffer in that situation? You need to at least separate from that person. No relationship is, should be based on abuse. So anyway, verse 22, wives should submit to their husbands as they do to the Lord. Pretty plain, folks. Pretty plain, you wives. You should submit to your husbands as they do to the Lord. Now, no one understands... No, no, uh, those who claim to be Christians don't seem to have a problem understanding that you should submit to the Lord. But unfortunately, wives in this society today have a problem submitting to their husbands. And many wives, they don't have a problem submitting to their bosses at work, do they? No. But unfortunately, we've been deceived about the role of a woman in society today. Since the Bible's not being taught, uh, people are, are, are not understanding a woman's role, her true role. And I'm going to try to explain it as briefly as I can here, uh, of what it used to be versus what it is today uh, in society. And I have this on my website. If you go to my website and, and click on the, the uh, statements of beliefs, I have a little section here. I'm going to read a little bit of it anyway. Um, I'm going to read this entire section here. Well, no, I don't know if I'm going to. Well, I, 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 we'll see here. It says, we are searching 
you know, our, our assembly is searching for people like this. We're searching for people who understand the role of fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. The Bible reveals that fathers are the leaders in family and men are the leaders in society. Mothers and women help fathers and men lead. There are 40 books in the entire Bible named after men, or the title of the book is a man's title. There are only two books named after women, Ruth and Esther. That's it. The patriots are the patriarchs rather are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The patriarchs aren't Sarah, Rebecca, and uh, Rachel. It is not God's will for women to lead men, and this is proven out of the scriptures: Isaiah three verse twelve, Numbers one verse two to four, Deuteronomy one verse thirteen and sixteen, Exodus eighteen verse twenty five to twenty six. Write those scriptures down and study them. Educate yourself. The only men women should teach and lead with authority are their own sons. Let me underscore that. The only men women should teach and lead with authority are their own sons. In Proverbs 1, verse 8, Leviticus 19, verse 3, Proverbs 31, verse 1, Deuteronomy 21, verse 18, and Proverbs 30, verse 17. In the United States, Rosie the Riveter, for those who don't know who Rosie the Riveter is, please type Rosie the Riveter in the Google search engine, and please illuminate yourself and educate yourself. Rosie, R-O-S-I-E, the Riveter, R as in rat, I-V-E-T-E-R. Rosie the Riveter is a picture of a woman making a muscle and wearing hardware clothes. This was the symbol of a woman working outside the home during World War II. Now, during World War II, there was an obvious shortage of men in the workforce. Many of them were drafted into World War II. So, common sense-wise, women had to work outside the home. Again, this is the exception and not the normal situation that Elohim desires. Women are not to go fight in wars. There's nowhere in the Bible where God says women should fight in wars like men. Again, this is the exception and not the normal situation that Elohim desires. Women are not to go fight in wars. Fighting in wars is a man's job. This is found in Deuteronomy chapter 20 for those who need proof. If there are no men around or men don't know how to lead properly, then Elohim has shown he will raise a righteous woman into a leadership or judge position. And he has done this, and he continues to do it to this day. However, this is an exception and not the normal situation. It's not the normal situation that Elohim desires for society. Now, I know some women are thinking, Deborah, Deborah, Deborah. Okay, let's get to the Deborah situation. The judge, Deborah, told Barack he would lose his honor to a woman because she knew it was against the tour for her to go to war as a woman. This is found in Judges 4, verse 6 to 10, and Numbers 1, verse 2 to 4. Deborah is revealed to be the mother, to be a mother in Israel, not a father in Israel. That's in Judges 5, verse 7. Please write these scriptures down. She knew her place in leadership. Barak assisted Deborah in judging Israel. This is in Judges chapter 5. The word father is used 970 times in the King James Version, and the word mother is used 292 times. It is the father's responsibility to teach the Torah of Elohim to his wife and children. This is in Deuteronomy 32, verse 7, Proverbs 1, verse 8, Proverbs 4, verse 1, Proverbs 6, verse 20, and Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 to 7, and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34 to 35. The father is the president and king of the family. The mother is the vice president and queen of the family. The husband drives the car and the wife is the engine. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 33. The books of Esther and Ruth are inspired books of Elohim that teach women how to act and how to lead under a man's authority. All right, so uh, you guys can read the rest of that here, but um, that's in, uh, you go to my website, www.mercifulservantsofgod.com. 
click on statements of beliefs and scroll down to where I start talking about um, uh, we are searching for people who understand the role of fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. Mothers and daughters. So I just thought anyway that I would uh, read a little bit of that so you understand where I'm coming from here with this. So, okay, uh, I have somebody here that wants to talk. Um, let me go ahead and allow you to talk here. Things work here. Okay, you're on the air. Hello? Four zero four, you're on the air. Um, good morning. I was just listening. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, good morning. This is Roslyn from the Power Forgiveness Show. How are you? Okay, how are you? Fine. My my comment is um, you know, before you marry anyone uh, it's, it's important communication is mm-hmm. the key and sitting down and discussing the finances. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to make sure, you know, the, the, the bills are taken care of first because everybody's not mature in the finances and how to um, – everybody's not used to paying bills on time and everybody's not used to having a budget. So you want to discuss that before you marry anyone. Those mm-hmm. are one of the things, you know, in, in, that goes with pre pre-marriage uh, um, counseling is the finance, sitting down and discuss who's going to pay what, what time, and, on a, and have a can or have a where you see the bills and the receipts and everything and communication and um, making sure everything's paid on a timely matter. Mm-hmm. I agree. Hello? <laughs> that's, that's all I have to say. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what me and my wife did. We sat down and we got a budget together and uh, we're still married. I mean, we've been married 18 years. And I think that's one of the reasons why is because we Mm -hmm. sat down and we agreed on a budget. Now, you know as well as I do, things happen. (laughs) And -hmm. you can't really stick to it like you would like at times sometimes, but you do Mm -hmm. the best you can. And that's one Mm -hmm. of the reasons why me and my wife are still married to each other. And uh, we raised a son to be, uh, you know, he's graduated out of high school. He's 17 years old, so Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done the best we could. Hopefully I can go into a little more detail about how we did that in this Bible study, but I appreciate uh, your comment. You're absolutely positively right mm-hmm. uh, before you get married. And a lot of people make that mistake. They just they just go into a marriage, hey, you know, I like her, she, you know, she likes me, let's get married, and, and all of a sudden wow. they're all these bills, you know. <laughs> marriage <laughs> and, is a full-time job. It, exactly. It's, it's tough. It's mm-hmm. one of the most challenging things yeah, it's, that it's, you can be a, a part of. It's a full-time job. And not only you got to do pre-marriage counseling, don't forget the uh, – Deliverance, because everybody comes with baggage, and you don't know what generation curse runs in that family. Deliverance and STD testing. I don't care who they call themselves. You know, mm-hmm. we, I don't know where you've been. You don't know where I've been, and I don't care if you call yourself or who you hide behind the Bible. Everybody, you know, you don't know where they've been before they got with you. So you definitely need to get tested. I don't care what people say. You know, you need to get tested, STD tested. You know, every health department. You need to go deliverance, and you really need to communicate and listening. And really get to know a person, um, the do's and don't, and 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 communicate what you like and what you dislike, mm-hmm. and be honest. Uh, hey, uh, everything is you, you can't have secrets in a relationship. It, it's sad, but I'm talking about the men. Men keep women more open. We we talk too much, <laughs> but men like to keep secrets. <laughs> well, you're right. See, the strength of women, and I hope, like I said, I hope that I probably have to go over. Uh, 
to, to go into this, but women have strengths that men don't have, and men have strengths that women don't have. That's Instead right. of fighting each other and and saying, "Hey, I want to be better than a man and women," no. I mean, we need to appreciate that we're different and that yeah. we need each other. We're interdependent. That's right. We complement you know, each other. We complement right. each other. No one's that's greater right. than the other. You know, and, no, and, that, and that's no. and that's what the point I'm, tr- I'm going to try to make here, because I know there's a lot of women that's been dogged out by men. Mm-hmm. In particular, and they don't feel good about themselves. They don't feel that they have any worth, and that's not the way God looks at it. That's know? true. So that's what I'm going to. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping after this Bible study that listeners realize, shoot, a man can't do nothing without me. And that's the truth. That's true. That's but you know, it's, it's, truth. It's, you know, but you know, with anything, a person, mm-hmm. you know, I did, I deal with forgiveness. Number one, you you have to love yourself. You have mm-hmm. to be a friend to yourself, and. Uh, Every you know, healing and deliverance and forgiveness starts within you, mm-hmm. and being a friend to yourself. And you got to know what qualities you 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 want in a in a man in a woman. It's two. It's just a two way street, That's you right. know. And um, you have to put God, you know, um, number one. Mm-hmm. He has to be number one because, of course, God is number one. But your wife and your husband is your best friend. They should be, yeah. Yeah, right. your husband, that, that should be your best, best friend outside of God himself. Your yeah, best friend should be your mate. Mm-hmm. And you're both, you have to have where you. I, t- I talk to my because I'm engaged, and I talk to say, you have to pray. You have to pray for your wife. You have to pray for your fiance, and you have to. See, women, we're more emotional, so certain things you need to be able to reach out. You know, like if someone like my for me, I lost my mom. And her anniversary just passed. You should know, okay, let me take my fiancé out. Let me take my wife out. Let me give her a tell you Do something nice. Just because you may not, it may not be nothing to you, it's something to her, vice versa. Uh, you know, whatever whatever she's concerned about, she should concern you. And it's sad, encouragement and support. Why, how you want to be in somebody's life, but you don't want to encourage them and support them? You should talk about that. How it's important as, as a man and as a woman, you need to encourage each other. I, you know, I totally agree with you. That's why I'm allowing you to speak because <laughs> you're helping in this Bible study. I hope people are listening to what she's saying. There's a lot of wisdom. You have to. And, I talk to my fiance right, so, all the time. I say, if yeah. you want to be with me, you got to know how to encourage me, how to pray for me when I'm going through something because your wife, she, she should come to you and you should be able to listen and understand and vice versa, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing because, because if you can't come, if I can't come to you, who can I come to? That's right. And you're supposed to be my number one supporter. And whether in ministry or business, whatever your assignment, we all have assignment. We all have different. Everybody's not called to ministry. Some people call to do business, other issues, you know, every assignment, right. whatever. But you need to be able to celebrate and encourage that man, encourage that woman, or you should not be with them because if you if they can't get it from you, who else can they get it from? Mm-hmm. And it, it should come. But it seems like when it comes to support, people have a problem with giving. And giving is, is, is emotional. Yeah. Spiritually yeah. and financially, in yeah. all areas, not just one. Yeah, you're right. That's the biggest problem in the world right now. Spiritually and financially, not just right. one. You have to learn to give. That's right. And people, unfortunately, most of us anyway, they just have a problem with that. You know? We want yeah. people to be there for us, but we don't want to be there for you. You have to yeah. give. You have to learn how to give emotionally, spiritually, and financially. Every In every facet. You, you, you're mm-hmm. exactly right. So, hey, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. And, and what's your name again? Um, this is the Power Forgiveness Show, Rob. Oh, God okay. Bless. okay. God bless you, you and your wife. God bless you. 
Must be and, and may God bless you too. And um, I'm going to go a little over, but hey, that's fine. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, I appreciate you calling in, and uh, so I'm, I'm going to be cut off. But I'm probably going to go about 20 minutes over because I got some okay. important scriptures to quote. But uh, sure. I appreciate you uh, contributing to the program. Take care. And, you know, feel free to call in whenever you. Hear sure, me again. no problem. God bless you, man of God. Take you care. too. Bye bye. Well, that was that was a nice call there, and I agree with everything, and I'm sure God agrees also uh, with what she said there. And um, and where was I at here? I was yeah, verse, that first verse there. Wives should submit to their husbands as they do to the Lord. Okay, so that's the thing that the wives do. But there, you know, also a husband should submit, and I'm going to explain how a husband. And I, I think I understand how because I have a wife for 18 years, and I've had to submit to her many times. And I'll explain to you how a man does that. But uh, a man, when he rules, okay, gentlemen, when a man rules over a wife, that doesn't mean you act like a Hitler. Okay, you don't act like a Hitler and and, and you just totally, I'm the man, I'm the leader, Ah, you do as I say. I mean, it's going to be very difficult for a wife to do what you say acting like that, I'm telling you. So anyway, verse 23. Now, he gives the reason why a wife should submit lovingly to her husband. All right, because the husband is the head of the wife. Just as the Messiah, I'm reading this in the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake, as just as the Messiah as head of the Messianic community, which means church in the King James Version, is himself the one who keeps the body safe. Verse 24, just as the Messianic community submits to the Messiah, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, let me explain what that means. If your husband is not wicked, if your husband is telling you something that would not violate the words of God, then you are commanded, wives, based on the scripture, to obey your husband. Let me give you an example. If you like the wall to be pink, but your husband says, no, I want it to be white, you paint it white. <laughs> okay. Uh, don't argue with your husband and say, hey, I want it pink. Because that has nothing to do with violation of the commandments of God or Torah or the teachings of God. Okay, So that's what that's talking about. Now, common sense is in this. Now, if your husband tells you to go and shoot somebody's brains, you're not going to do that. If your husband tells you to go eat nails for breakfast, you're not going to do that. Okay, let's use our common sense. Everything means every right thing. <laughs> okay. Now, verse 25, as for the husbands. Now, this is how we submit to our wives' husbands, so let's listen up. As for husbands, love your wives just as the Messiah loved the Messianic community, indeed gave himself on it for his behalf. So we should love our wives to the point of wanting to sacrifice our lives, and God knows I do with my wife. I've done all kinds of things for her, and I continue to do it. And I would die for her, not only for her, but for other people, but especially for my wife if I had to. So just as the Messianic community submits to the Messiah, so also wives should submit to their oh, let me get off that and get back to the husband here. <laughs> All right, um, right here, verse twenty-five. As for husbands, love your wives just as the Messiah loved the Messianic community. Indeed, gave himself up on it on his behalf in order to set it apart for God, making it clean through immersion in the mikvah. Oh, that's um, it's making an image of being baptized there, so to speak. And this is also talking about using the word of God you know, as a leader and teaching the word of God to your family, to your wife, and to your children. Verse 27, in order to present the Messianic community to himself as a bride to be proud of without a spot, wrinkle, 
or any such thing, but holy and without defect. How do you do that? Through the word of God, of course. Verse 28. This is how husbands ought to love their wives, like their own bodies. So we should love our wives like our own bodies. For the man who loves his wife is loving himself. And if you don't love your wife, gentlemen, you don't love yourself. Verse 29. Why, no one ever hated his own flesh. On the contrary, well, yeah, that's true in most cases. On the contrary, he feeds it well and takes care of it, just as the Messiah does the Messianic community. So most reasonable people, yeah, they do take care of their body. Verse 30, because we are all parts of his body. Verse 31, therefore a man will leave his father and mother. Again, this scripture, that famous scripture is quoted. Therefore a man will leave his father and mother and remain with his wife, and the two will become one. So a husband and wife are a team, as he was saying. We're a team, unity. And you both, your overall goal, I know it's tough, but your overall goal is to agree with one another. Verse 32, there is profound truth hidden here, which I say concerns the Messiah and the Messianic community. The King James Version is the Christ and the church. Verse 33, however, the text also applies to each of you individually. Let each man love his wife as he does himself and see that the wife respects her husband. That's very important. When I counsel people on marriage and people call me about their marriage problems, uh, I have them always go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. It's so simply laid out. And if you just follow that, you won't have a problem in your marriage. But unfortunately, these folks that come to me, they stubbornly don't want to obey what the Scriptures say, and then they wonder why they have a marriage problem. Getting to what she was saying about the finances, and I have that in there for a reason, because I know that's one of the biggest problems in marriage about the finances. Now, let me explain to you how me and my wife do it. All right, we have a joint account. We have a joint account. The check that I get gets put deposited into my account, and the check that she has. Now, uh, my wife wants to save a hundred dollars a month to to get womanly things, and you women know what those things are. I'm not going to get into detail. All right, I don't have an issue with that as long as she tells me how much she has, and as long as she's willing to sacrifice if we have an emergency. If we have any type of emergency situation where I lose my job or, you know, the car needs to get fixed, she's willing to take some of that money and and um, some of that money she's putting away and give it back to me uh, to take care of, of, of the needs of the family so the whole family won't be affected. So that's no issue. So husbands, uh, you, you should allow your, your wife to have a little money. You know they like clothes. They like to, to make themselves look pretty and all that. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as you wives are willing to sacrifice that money for needs, okay, as my wife is willing to do. And we have things combined. She is aware of the budget. She understands where everything is going, and she agrees on all um, the things that uh, – our money is spent on. I don't think there's anything in the budget that's not a need um, that we're spending on right now. And then what we're trying to do is save money. And that's the important thing. You need to save, you, know, you need to put a little away. If it's just 50 or $100, and then above that, you should be giving, just like she said. And I'm almost done with this article, Tithes and Offerings, and I encourage you, when I, when I do get it done, I'm going to announce it, and I encourage you to sit and read it uh, you will learn some new things in this article, folks. <laughs> you really will, because I did. So um, I want you to read it and do what it says. And what I want you to understand, and this article is not an article to have you give me all your savings. No, this article is an article to help you understand that you must give 
to Torah teachers uh, like myself that's t- preaching properly on a consistent basis, but you also must give to other people as well, the poor and people who are, are, are not privileged like you are. And even if you are poor, you can still give. God doesn't require you to give as much, but you ought to give a little bit. Even a poor person can give maybe one or two dollars a month, okay? So we all, no matter what our socioeconomic status, socioeconomics means, uh, you know, trying to make a living, all right, our trying to make a living status, we need to give consistently, even if it's a penny. <laughs> we need to give. We have to learn how to give, okay? And that's the point. Just like, uh, let me read a scripture. Does he think, I think I'm talking out of my head here? In Luke chapter 6, our Lord commanded us in the, in, the new, in the King James Version, in the New Testament, he commanded us to give. So we must obey our Lord and Savior. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, he states plainly, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet out, with it shall be meet to you again. That's in the King James Version. So, you know, we must give to other people, but especially to our wives and husbands in our marriage. Okay? So we, we need to learn how to do that, folks. And the reason why a lot of marriages don't last is because, as the woman said today, the people are selfish and they think about themselves and they don't want to give. And you can't do that. In a marriage, <laughs> that marriage will not last. Trust me, it will not last. I mean, don't trust me. Trust God's words first. And only trust me if I'm speaking his words, okay? But a marriage will not last if you have a stingy attitude, folks. It will not last. Okay, so I'm going to, I have three minutes left, and I'm going to be cut off here, but this is such an important Bible study, but I, I'm going to uh, at least uh, probably preach another 15 to 30 minutes after this program is cut off, and you will be able to listen to the program after it's cut off, um, probably at uh, what is 11:57 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now you'll probably be able to listen to it at one o'clock or 1:30 uh, Eastern Standard Time. Okay, so uh, I just want to let you know about that. But this is such an important Bible study that I want to be able to quote all the scriptures here and and really encourage men and women to act properly in their marriage. Okay, so I'm I'm in another two minutes and 27 seconds here. Um, the program's going to cut off, and uh, I will be in recording mode, and then you can listen to the program in, in, in its entirety after I complete it, which I'm estimating probably at 12.30, and then you should be able to listen to it at 1 o'clock or 1.30 Eastern Standard Time today. All right, so let me continue on with this Bible study then. All right, so he states that a marriage is similar to Christ in the church. Well, Christ and the church are going to get married in the future, folks. And in Revelation chapter 19, Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 6, it says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. In verse, I'm reading this in the King James Version, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself rich. Who's the wife? The wife is the assembly, the, the believers of God. Verse 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Verse 9, And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. 
All right, so the husband and wife relationship is an analogy of the relationship between Christ and his assembly. So, uh, just as, you know, the husband, you have an example to follow, Yeshua's example. And, and that's what you need to, to follow as being a loving husband to your wife. All right? And why is you have the, the instructions in the Bible about obeying your husbands? Okay? And you should obey your husband like you would obey Elohim or God himself. Elohim is the Hebrew name for God. Okay, now, First Peter, chapter 2. These are some significant scriptures here. I'm going to read this in the easier version to understand here. Um, yeah, com complete Jewish Bible version here. And First Peter, chapter 2, verse 21. Let's start in verse, uh, and I want you to pay attention to this um, Women and men, because uh, men can learn from this example as well. First Peter 2, verse 21. Indeed, this is what you were called to because the Messiah too suffered. The Messiah too suffered. On your behalf, leaving an example so that you should follow in his steps. Verse 22. He committed no sin, nor was any deceit found on his lips. Verse 23. When he was insulted, he didn't retaliate with insults. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but handed them over to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sentences in his body on the stake so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. We were spiritually and physically healed. Verse 20, or should be. Verse 25, for you used to be like sheep gone astray, but now you have turned to the shepherd who watches over you. In the same way, wives submit to your husbands so that even if some of them do not believe the word. Now, this says in the same way, and in what way? The way that we were just talking about how Yeshua was taking his punishment. In the same way, wives, submit to your husbands so that even if some of them do not believe the word, they will be won over by your conduct without your saying anything. Now, it's not saying that you should, should submit and your husband's beating the crap out of you. No, when they occasionally curse at you or say some stupid stuff, uh, it's saying that, hey, deal with it. You know, Now, if this is consistent behavior to the point where it's harming you mentally and physically, then you, you need to get away from that. Verse 2, as they see your respectful and pure behavior. So... Elohim wants women to not so much talk, as the woman was saying today, but Elohim wants you to, to, to behave respectfully, and that's what will get a man's attention. Verse 3, your beauty should not consist in external, such as fancy hairstyles, gold jewelry, or what you wear. So, you know, that's important uh, to be attractive to your husband, but that's not your sole purpose, is to focus so much on that. Verse 4, rather let it be the inner character of your heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. That's what attracts righteous husbands when their wives act gentle and have a quiet spirit. It says in God's sight, this is of great value. Verse 5, this is how the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves and submit to their husbands. So this is how they submitted to their husbands in a gentle and quiet spirit. Their focus was not hairstyles and gold jewelry or what you wear. All right, and verse 6, the way Sarah obeyed Abraham, or obey, and that word means obey, honoring him as her Lord or master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not succumb to fear. Verse 7, you husbands likewise, in a, in a similar manner, con conduct your married lives with understanding. 
Although your wife may be weaker physically, you should respect her as a fellow heir of the gift of life. If you don't, husbands, your prayers will be blocked. So that's a warning to us husbands. We must, sure, we lead, but we lead with love. We don't lead with hate. We don't lead with hate, and we don't lead acting like we're better than everyone else, including our wives. That's not, that's not the way we lead. All right, now, Isaiah, one of the things I want wives to understand, some wives, they, they look at the scripture, okay, husbands, you got to treat me with respect, your prayers be hindered. Well, if you don't treat your husbands with respect, wives, your prayers will be hindered as well. Uh, um, hindered as well. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 59. This applies to everybody, including wives. Isaiah chapter 59. Starting in verse 1, Adonai, which means the Lord, I'm reading this complete Jewish Bible version, Adonai's arm is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. Rather, it is your own crimes, or the King James Version says sins or iniquity, that separates you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he doesn't hear. That applies to a wife or any human being. So wise, if you don't respect your husband and if you don't obey your husband, when he deserves to be obeyed, then your prayers will be hindered as well. It goes both ways, so I just want to make that clarification there. Now, back to husbands and your responsibilities as a man and as a husband. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel chapter 18. Starting in verse 5. This is the definition of a righteous man and a righteous husband. Ezekiel 18, verse 5. Consider someone who is righteous, who does what is lawful and right. First of all, that's the definition of a righteous person, who does what is lawful and right. Verse 6. He doesn't eat on the mountains or raise his eyes toward the idols of the house of Israel. In other words, he doesn't commit idolatry. He doesn't put things above God. Okay. He doesn't defile his neighbor's wife or he doesn't commit adultery, in other words, or touch a woman during her time of menstruation impurity, which is sin. You shouldn't be having sex with your wife while she's in her menstruation cycle. Verse 7, he doesn't wrong anyone. He returns any pledged property a debtor has given as collateral for a loan. He takes nothing by robbery, He but gives his food to the hungry and clothing to those who need it. So a truly righteous person or man is always looking for ways to help people, just like she was saying today. She, she was right, the one that called in today. You must make an asserted effort to give to the poor, even if you are poor. You must have a consistent pattern of giving, just like you have a consistent pattern of eating. You should always be looking to help people. That's what your life should be about. And in all facets, do the best you can. Uh, Ezekiel 18, verse 8, He neither demands nor accepts interest on the loan. He refrains from what is evil, and he judges honestly between one person and another. So being righteous, you have the responsibility to make righteous evaluations. Verse 9, in short, he lives according to my laws and observes my rulings so as to act faithfully. Such a person is righteous, and he will certainly live, says Adonai Elohim, or the Lord God. All right. So that's the description of a righteous man. Also, a righteous man should do the following uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Moreover, anyone who does not provide for his own people, especially for his family, has disowned the faith and is worse than 
an unbeliever, and it has his talking about the father, because the father really is the breadwinner, it should be anyway. Now, of course, there's exceptional situations. Uh, this economy is so bad right now, and women have to step out the home and work, but that's not the way it should be in God's society. It's not going to be that way, all right? And let me show that to you, but first let me go over again the responsibilities of a a father and a husband uh, and summarize these things. I've given Bible studies in the past about this. You can perhaps find them in the archives, but I'm just going to summarize it here. Ephesians. Ephesians. Chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Fathers, don't irritate your children and make them resentful. Instead, raise them with the Lord's kind of discipline and guidance. So that's, again, the father's and the husband's responsibility is to raise his family uh, in the guidance of the Lord and the teachings of the Lord, including the children. All right, so let's, uh, let's go to 2 Timothy. And if you do this, this is what will result here. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it says, um, actually, I'll start in verse 14, but you... Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, recalling the people from whom you learned it. Verse 15, and recalling, too, how from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. So it's the father's responsibility to teach his children from childhood uh, to know the Holy Scriptures. Right here. And recalling, too, how from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which can give you the wisdom that leads to deliverance through trusting in Yeshua the Messiah. You know, and the reason why is because all Scripture, as it states here, is God-breathed and is valuable for teaching the truth. Now, all Scripture, back then, all Scripture was just the Old Testament, which many people think today is toilet paper, but it's not toilet paper. All Scripture is God-breathed and is valuable for teaching the truth, convicting of sin, correcting false, and training in right living. Thus, anyone who belongs to God may be fully equipped for every good work. And it works as a part of it again. If you read... The Lord's brother, his epistle, James chapter 2, you read the whole thing, you'll understand that. But works doesn't save us, but works uh, determines what reward we will receive from God in his kingdom. That's what it does. So anyway, um, Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. And it also determines whether or not you'll be in that kingdom. <laughs> That's why you got to do righteous works. Genesis 18 Christ didn't die just to do it all for us. He did it. He died. One of the reasons why he died is to help us keep the commandments. Uh, Genesis chapter 18, through the Holy Spirit. Genesis 18, verse 19. For I have made myself known to him so that he will give orders. Wait, actually, let me start with Genesis 18, verse 18 in the complete Jewish Bible version for clarity's sake. And so much as Abraham is sure to become great and strong in a strong nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by him, verse 19, for I have made myself known to him so that he will give orders to his children and to his household after him to keep the way of Adonai, the Lord, and to do what is right and just, so that Adonai may bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So Abraham, just like Sarah, is an example for women. Abraham is an example for men. And Abraham gave orders to his children and to his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. What's the way of the Lord? Keeping all those commandments in Exodus chapter 20 that a lot of people run away from, including the Shabbat, keeping the Sabbath day, just like Yeshua did. And to do what is right and just so that Adonai may bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Okay, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, 
is an important scripture for us to follow here. And I'm trying to break this down in, in the simplest of ways. Um, let me read this in the King James Version. It's a pretty good translation in King James. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, which means listen in Hebrew, to understand. O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That word one means ekod, a compound unity of the Father and the Son. Verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Verse 6. And these words which I commanded, this is called the Shema, that Jewish people are supposed to recite every day. And really, we all should be reciting it every day. It's a good, it's a good habit. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy mind or heart, verse 7, and you shall teach them diligently unto thy children. And it says diligently. You shouldn't just teach them, oh, i got to do it. No, you teach them diligently. The word diligently in Hebrew is shanan, and it means to inculcate, to really focus on teaching this so it could be within your being. That's how you teach this to your children. Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way. I'm talking like Shakespeare now, right? When thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Okay? And that's what we did with our son. And we continue to do that today while he's in our presence. And as long as he's in our presence, I don't care how old he is, we are going to talk of these commandments when he sits in, the, in our house, and when we and we walk by the way, and when we lie down, and when we rise up, that's a commandment that is for parents, particularly fathers, to follow. And then wives, you should all to follow your 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 husband's example and teach your children as well. All right, um, almost done here. Now let me get. I already uh, referred you to my website about Rosie the Riveter. You should study on that because Rosie the Riveter's influence has been very negative toward women. And women today in the 21st century are born and actually starting the latter half of the 20th century, uh, actually, actually after World War II, women are raised and to believe that they should be ruling over men and they don't have to depend on a man and all this other stuff and, and everything else. And, you know, men have not contributed toward eliminating this false teaching because m many men, unfortunately, have treated their women like, like garbage. And so both are in error, but let's, let's look at the, the solution here. First of all, let's look at a prophecy that I know many women won't like, but this is in the Bible, and you know, I, I'm only quoting God's words here, okay? And it's in the King James Version. It's pretty clear in the King James Version here. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12. As for my people, children are their oppressors. So what it's saying is that the children of today, and they do because these children, just like Second Timothy chapter 3 prophesied through Shaul or Paul, Shaul is his Hebrew name, that children are disobedient to their parents. And they also oppress their parents, as uh, Isaiah chapter 3 verse 12 reveals, which let's understand in Ephesians 2 verse 20, it says the, the prophets, um, and the apostles is the foundation of the assembly of the messianic community. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12, As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O oh, my people, they which be thee cause thee to err, and destroy the way of thy path. All right, so it's not God's intention for women to lead society. Men are the leaders of society, and women, 
the women that get angry about that statement, you're getting angry at God himself. Because, uh, again, men are the leaders. Women are the followers. But women can also be leaders, and I'm going to explain to you how women are leaders. God's way. So anyway, first of all, let me state this. You may be surprised when I tell you this. God wants women to be entrepreneurs. Again, let me underscore that. God created women to be entrepreneurs in their home. And how do, how can I prove that? Well, let's read this scripture here. But first, before I even get into the scripture, uh, you can look at, um, you can type in DSA, uh, the Direct Selling Association. The Direct Selling Association uh, provides statistics in reference to network marketing uh, for women who don't know what that is. Uh, network marketing is it's like selling Watkins and uh, Mary Kay stuff and, and uh, Avon stuff. Um, I think it's Avon, yeah, Avon and and other stuff, Amway and all that, okay? Well, the point that I'm making is that a network marketing business, in almost every case, is a home-based business. Uh, there's many home-based businesses in this country. Matter of fact, a lot of them uh, are home-based businesses. A lot of businesses today, a lot of small businesses are home-based businesses, and many big corporate, uh, big companies that are big corporations started within the home. So anyway, my point is that the majority of gender that are successful in network marketing, matter of fact, the majority of gender period, are women. And that doesn't surprise me because when, I'm, when I read this scripture to you, you'll understand why that's the case. Because God looks at a woman as an entrepreneur. How can you deny that when I read these scriptures? Let me read Psalm chapter uh, 31. starting in verse 10. I'm going to read this in the uh, contemporary English version for clarity's sake here. Uh, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. I have known only sorrow all my life, and I suffer year after year. I am weak from sin. Oops, this is Proverbs chapter 31. I'm sorry, I'm in Psalms. Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31, starting in verse 10. A truly good wife is the most precious treasure a man can find. And believe me, I know from experience that's the, that's the truth. Verse 11, her husband depends on her, and she never lets him down. It's like I was explaining to the woman today. A husband depends on his wife, and she never lets him down, or shouldn't anyway. Verse 12, she is good to him every day of her life, and with her own hand she gladly makes clothes. So that's having an entrepreneurial type of attitude to, to make your own clothes. How many women today know how to make sew clothes today? That is a lost art because women want to get out here and work like a man. Uh, I'm talking about women that have that option. Some have no choice, but many women in this country have a choice. They really do. Verse 13, and with her own hand, she gladly makes clothes. She gladly does it. Verse 14, she is like a sailing ship that brings food from across the sea. Verse 15, she gets, gets up before daylight to prepare food for her family and for her servants. Verse 16, she knows how to buy land. Buying land? That sounds like uh, being an entrepreneur to me. And how to plant a vineyard. And she always works hard in her home. She knows when to buy or sell. So she's buying and she's selling. 
and she stays busy until late at night. That that's definitely entrepreneurship. Uh, verse eighteen of Proverbs chapter thirty-one. She knows when to buy or sell, and she stays busy until late at night. And this is prophetically true because you have women that dominate the network marketing industry, and they are very good at it, and they making a lot of money. So this is a prophecy that has been fulfilled. As far as women that understand their role, that they should be working at home, that they should be having a home-based business or doing something else productive in the home. It doesn't always have to be entrepreneurship, but she should be doing something, you know, sewing clothes, cleaning up the house, whatever. A woman is the is, you are, you're the president of that home. You're the vice president of that home. You are responsible for that home. You take care of that home. And the husband get out there and work, or maybe the husband works at home too. And contributes. But you are a significant role, and he depends on you. And he needs you. Just like God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. And verse 18, she knows when to buy or sell. She stays busy until late at night. God has put this desire in you, women, to do this. To 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 uh, make your own clothes. Okay? This is the definition, again, you need to pay attention to this. This is wisdom. This is a, a definition of a truly good wife. So wives, listen to this. And women that are aspiring to be a wife, as the woman that just called me, listen to this. This is instruction for you to be a godly wife, not a wife that society wants you to be. All right? Verse 15, she sets up before daylight to prepare food for her family and for her servants. She knows how to buy land and how to plant a vineyard. So you should learn how to buy land. You all, uh, women, you all, to learn everything you can about real estate. If you want to do that, I, I please email me. I can suggest a course that you buy to learn everything you need about real estate. You should learn how to plant a vineyard. And she always works hard. She knows when to buy and sell. You should, you should know how. To, you should study on how to sell, and you should study on how to buy, how to manage money properly. And she stays busy until late at night. She spends her own cloth. You should learn how to make your own clothes so that you don't have to buy them. And you'll be able to save money. And here's a very important scripture. And she helps the poor and the needy. So a good wife is concerned not only about her husband and her kids, but also other people as well. Verse 21. Her family has warm clothing, and so she doesn't worry when it snows. She does her own sewing, and everything she wears is beautiful. That's why I'm giving my wife that allowance so she can make herself beautiful. Verse 23, her husband is a well-known and respected leader in the city. So a righteous man, that will happen to you in the future. If you're righteous, you will be a well-known and respected leader in the city. Verse 24, she makes clothes to sell to the shop owners. Here, here we go again, entrepreneurship. She makes clothes to sell to the shop owners. Again, this is a very powerful scripture that tells you that God does not mind a woman being an entrepreneur and working in her home, which is proven by the fact that women dominate the network marketing industry and they work in their homes selling Avon products and all these other Amway and all this other stuff that they sell. Okay? Verse 25, she is strong and graceful as well as cheerful about the future. She's cheerful about the future. Verse 26, her words are sensible and her advice is thoughtful. She takes good care of her family and is never lazy. Verse 28, her children praise her with great pride, her husband says, or 
uh, with great esteem. Verse 29, there are many good women, but you are the best. Verse 30, charm can be deceiving and beauty fades away, but a woman who honors the Lord deserves to be praised. Verse 31, and this is for husbands too, to understand. Show her respect. Praise her in public for what she has done. And, and husbands, we should work on that and we should do that more. So, I quoted this scripture for women that are listening just to understand that God doesn't mind you be, being an entrepreneur. He wants you to learn how to make clothes. He wants you to learn how to care for the poor and the needy. He wants you to learn how to sew. He wants you to learn how to buy and how to sell. If you And I know how to sell. And particularly I know how to sell just using the phone. So if any of you women want to learn how to do that, please contact me. I definitely know how to do that. That's what I do to make a living, by the way. Uh he wants you to learn how to buy land, how to plant a vineyard, okay? He wants you to learn how to do those things to help your husband, okay? And that word vineyard means garden. I don't know a woman that doesn't like gardens. The reason why is he put it in you to like that. He put it in you to like to sell. He put it in you to like to buy, he put it in you. You know, some of the best salesmen are women. You know, uh, women are better at men over the phone. I know that. I've been doing this for over 20 years, and women are better than men at talking over the phone. He put that in you. I hope you're smiling as I'm talking to you, and you realize the potential that you've been that's been hidden, all because of the false image of Rosie the Riveter making a muscle. That's not the image that God wants for a female, folks. That's a man's image, not a woman's image. God wants you and, and doesn't mind for you to be an entrepreneur to buy and sell and, and, and make your own clothes and to help the poor and the needy, to buy land, real estate, and, and to um, create a garden for your family. That's what he wanted, and to take care of the home and take care of the kids in the home while, while the father has to get out there and work, or if he has a home-based business, while he tends to his business. So that is the true picture of a righteous wife and a righteous woman, a woman that prepares to become a wife. All right, so that that's, this is awesome, and I love Proverbs 31, verse 24. She makes clothes to sell to the shop owners. That's a business. That's being an entrepreneur. You're selling it to shop owners. So shop owners can sell it to other people. So so that 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 is definitely um really a um a significant scripture. It really is. So that's something that, that you need to focus on women and, and realize that God doesn't want you to just totally depend on your husband for everything, okay? He wants you to help your husband, too. All right, so um, I hope that this Bible study has helped you to understand your righteous role, women, as not just a woman, but, of course, as a wife. And husbands, I hope that this Bible study has helped you to understand your role. But 
I just hope that this Bible study, most importantly, has helped you to understand that as one flesh, you must share everything you have. And just like Christ and the church are one, husbands and wives should be one as well. So with that, may the great Elohim or God bless and keep you. And Elohim willing or God willing, I'll be available for you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.